Do you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring Restoring Your Your Voice. Alrighty then, welcome everybody to this special episode of Restoring Your Voice, because why it's a Friday, I don't normally do shows on a Friday, but uh, I haven't been really feeling well lately, um, for quite a bit now, and uh, praise God, I am feeling pretty good today, even though I had a rough night last night and didn't go to bed till 3.30 in the morning. Anyways, um, you know, this is January, and if you don't know, January 2019 is when I was saved, when God saved me, when he brought me death to life and changed me. So this is a celebration of that. And I never get tired of bragging on Jesus. I mean, that's what giving testimony is all about, whether it's your testimony you give or my testimony or anything. It's all bragging on Jesus. And hey, can we ever brag on Jesus enough? No, I don't think so. Welcome, Richard. Um, So that's what I'm going to do today. So uh, also, I will take objections or questions. You know, you may you may be hear, hearing stuff as I go along and you may, well, I disagree with that or I don't understand this or, or as I go along and, and I'm, you know, we're going to, because this all ties into mental health. So you may be, have objections to that. I, well, well, I think anxiety is okay. And I think the, the Bible normalizes depression and all that. Well, if you, if you have those objections, then go ahead and bring them today. Um, so I'll take any questions or, or or objections or whatever. Okay, I'm not afraid of answering objections. I'm not afraid at all because I'm here to bless you. All right. And and you know, whether it's questions or objections, it's iron sharpening iron either way. So uh you may and by the way, if you've never heard my personal testimony before, well, this will give you a chance to know about me, know who I am and know what I do and and, and such. And maybe why why are you so radical for God? Why do you believe what you do? Why 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 do you talk the way you do? Why why do you always talk about being holy and God's holy standards and being free from sin? And why do you talk about this kind of stuff? I mean, you, you seem, you know, I don't know what the word is, zealous. You seem like a zealot for this and zealous. And I don't know about that. Well, here's your chance to find out exactly why. All right. I'm not going to back off. I'm an honest person. I got nothing to hide. All right. Jesus set me free. So I have no more shame or anymore. I have no guilt. I don't, I mean, I don't celebrate the way I, I, uh, I used to be or the person I used to be or, or the things I used to do, you know, God forbid that I would glory in any of that. But at the same time, it helps for me. And I think it helps you for me to be honest with you about who I was so that you know what God took me from and set me free from so don't forget all right as people are watching you can put your objections or questions in the chat all right and i will and i'll do my best to answer them so my personal testimony okay like i said january 2019 god saved me right now save me from what who was a person well let's backtrack let me let me first let let you know that i did not grow up in a christian home okay i i knew really nothing about christianity I knew something about that there was a Bible. I knew there was a guy named Jesus. But, you know, me and my family, we would watch uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, if you guys ever watched that old movie um, with Charlton Heston in it, then, you know, you you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, other than that, my, I'll tell you what, my dad, in fact, you know what he was? He was a medium. That's right. He was, he was a, a spiritualist. All right. It was, it was, we grew up in the home where my dad would bring people in 
and he would um, hold readings for them. In other words, tell them things that quote unquote spirits, which we know they're demons, would speak to him, to them. And we would also hold seances. Yes, literal seances where a group of us would, would be together. And this is me as a child, by the way, um, growing up with this type of stuff. And, and demons would speak through my dad, masquerading as Native American spirits, as dead Native American spirits. Okay, and this is this is the type of stuff that I would grow up in. Not only that, but my father was violent. Um, he he had already been married previously, and he was a raging alcoholic, and he would beat his previous son, and his son from his previous marriage, just for alcohol. Just to let you know the kind of man um, that my father was. Okay, I mean, it was so bad that my mother tells me that I was crying too much as a baby, and my father held my head under a water faucet to try to quiet me. All right, my, my dad was so violent, so so prone to, to outbreaks of tempers, of anything. If we weren't quieter than mice while he was reading the newspaper, that would set him off, okay? Um, if he, 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 he would never apply for a job application or job because he would blame us for being too noisy while he was trying to fill out a job application. So my dad never actually held a steady job. It was my mom who provided for, God bless her soul. And I'm just giving a background um, as to what I saw as normal, because I think we can all agree that, that when we have a father figure in our life, that we look up to them as how we should be as men, we, you know, for right or wrong, for good or for bad. So I grew up uh, where violence was normal. My dad was a violent man, and I thought that's the way I had to be. I had to grow up and, and be intimidating. I mean, I grew up fighting throughout much of my, my life in school, getting into fights, because I thought that was normal. Okay, I thought all of this stuff was normal, all right? Not to mention, my dad was was um, diagnosed as bipolar, okay? So I grew up with that as normal, and, and, and excuses being made for his bad behavior, which we'll get into that later about making excuses and mental health. Um, well, he's just that. And that's why the way he is and excuses, my, my dad, my dad would gaslight. And if you don't know what that means, well, let me give you perfect examples of this, right? Say for instance, we would go somewhere and we were late, right? We, we were late getting there. Well, my dad would blame it on my mom. All right. Everybody outside of our house thought my dad was a saint, thought he was awesome. He was even referred to as reverend a couple of times. I kid you not. Um, and and my mom was 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 painted um, as as the bad guy. All right, so that's a narcissist. My dad was a narcissist. Right, that's what narcissists do. They they blame their behaviors and what happens on everybody else but themselves. Right, and and, and that's the type that's the type of what everybody thought. Everybody thought my dad was the best person ever. They had no idea what was going on behind closed doors. They they had no idea that that say for instance my dad would come home. And, you know, we were, we were kids. You know how kids are with moms. We don't really behave as well for moms as we do for, for, for fathers. But, but my mom told him that we had been misbehaving. And my father literally walked in our room while we were trying to go to sleep and beat us. Right? That's not normal. And I could tell you many other details about this. Bottom line is, though, is I grew up thinking this type of behavior was normal. Right. And then my family divorced and I can, I'm not going to give you the, the details why. OK. Um, but finally, my mother divorced my my dad. Right. Finally. 
Um, thank God, by the way. Okay, and let me just pause and say, anybody out there, if you're suffering from, from an abuser, you need to get out. You may even need to divorce them. But get out and don't stay there. All right, anyway, so, so that kicked off a cycle of me going into the psychology system for the first time, the psychological mental health system for the very first time. All right, I, I was in a mental hospital for a month at the age of 13. I played the game, said all the right answers, got out pretty quickly. But that wasn't it. And then went through more therapy, more therapy, nothing helped. And by the way, it's never going to help, but we'll get into more details later. And I was eventually put into the system and eventually ended up in a group home for troubled boys, right? I, w I went there at the age of 14 and I, I was in that group home for literally two years, right? But praise God, in that time, while I was there, there was a name, a guy by the name of Jeff, Jeff Bosker, right? So I'm 45 years old now, going on 46 soon. So that, that was, uh, what, 30 years ago for me, right? Just over 30 years ago. And I still remember the guy's name to this day. He, he was our uh, uh, gym teacher, our PE teacher, because um, we still had to go to school and learn. And they had a school there at the group home. And he said, and he invited me um, to, I think it was a per prayer group. And I was like, at first I resisted, but then I came and I started coming. And I looked around and the way things were done. And it didn't make any sense to me because I didn't grow up in any, in any of this, right? I never actually read a Bible. Um, and so I started asking him lots of questions and he was more than willing to answer his questions. Well, um, you know, it turns out, you know, learn about this Jesus, learn about salvation, learn, learn about being born again. So it sounded like a good deal. I mean, I really didn't know, know anything. And I prayed the prayer after him, but the thing was, there was no change in my life. So I was introduced to Jesus at the age of 14, the real Jesus. I was introduced to the Bible at the age of 14. But in all honesty, there was no change in my life, okay? Zero behavioral change in my life whatsoever, all right? Um, not that I was an overly, overtly bad kid, but I, I lusted after women. I masturbated, thing, and, and it, it didn't change. I went to church. Um, my mom eventually became born again. Um, she started going to church, started taking us to churches, Um I, I went to the youth groups and uh, I slept with the women there, the girls, the fellow girls. I went to, the, to a, a Christian youth group. This is what, this is the, the type of person I was. This, this I'm telling you just to, to drive home the point. I was not born again. Okay. I was not. And so I just kept living a life of sin and, and, and sin and more sin. And, and eventually I graduated school. Right. By the way, I was, I smoked, I got high um, on marijuana for three months straight. I was high all day, every day, literally for three months straight, right? Now, I, I did give it up after three months, but I'm just saying I was living in sin, right? Sin was controlling me. It's, it's not something to be proud of. And eventually, I turned 18. I couldn't find a good job. The Army recruiter came calling. Sounded like a great deal, okay? So now I joined the Army. Right off the bat, I get into a culture where alcohol and getting drunk is normal. Okay, that's that's the military. All right, you ask any service member. Drinking alcohol and getting drunk is normal and acceptable and even celebrated. So right off the bat, 
I enter in, go to basic training, get out of basic training, go to train for my job. And what, what does young Private McGuire do? Gets drunk, right? Not something I'm proud of, right? Eventually, it leads to um, my first duty station. I was sleeping around, going out, partying, living in sin, right? And, and, and then I, I met a young woman, right? We got married right away. I didn't know what I was getting into. So that was my first marriage. So many of you may not know, I was, this is, I was previously married, right? And, and I got into a horrible marriage and I was living in sin then. And, and I got, and, and just getting drunk, partying. Yeah. Well, I'm married. Makes no sense, right? Well, that's what sin does. You, you do stuff that makes no sense, right? It, it makes sense because it's fun even though it's destructive behavior, okay? So eventually, fast forward now, that was 19, January 1996. So yeah, I celebrate seven years of retirement this, this month, by the way, of being retired from the, from the Army. Praise God for that because I wouldn't have made it through the 20 years without him. And so anyways, fast forward out to 2003 and the Iraq War kicks off, right? Now, young Sergeant McGuire gets deployed in April of 2003. Okay. And, and, um, I go over there and I experienced many horrible things. Um, you know, getting shot at IEDs, roadside bombs, mortars, rockets, you name it. Well, then we lead up to, uh, April 29th of 2004. I still remember that day to this day, April 29th of 2004, we were supposed to be home by then, but we got extended. And we got moved to a more dangerous area than we were previously in Iraq. We were in Baghdad previously. We got moved south of Baghdad. And what happened there is that the unit I was with was doing clearing the road. Okay, they're trying to clear the road from, from roadside bombs and making it more difficult to, to put them in. And, well, what happened is a car bomber, suicide car bomber, um, blew up eight of my friends. I, I knew them. I knew every single one of them. Literally blew them to bits, all right? And we had to escort them back to Mortuary Affairs. And when we got there, um, after we unloaded the body parts, literally body pieces, uh, my battalion command sergeant major chose young Sergeant McGuire I had to go in there. Now, I don't know why he chose me, but he did. Because I had to go in there while they searched through the remains for ammunition and other stuff before they prepared the bodies. And that was the most horrible experience I've ever experienced in my entire life. So up to that point and since that point, it's, it's, I don't want to go into details. I don't want to, I don't want to gross you out or, or something. And you may be watching and I, may, I don't want to trigger you, but it was the most horrifying experience in my life. And before this, I couldn't be, I couldn't talk about it. Okay. So just letting you know the goodness of God just to set men free from any mental health problems. And so anyways, after that, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't cope with anything. I, I started not being able to sleep. And I turned to pornography to, as, a, as a way out, as a way of escape, as a way of coping, right? The, the flooding of, uh, I was going to say adrenaline, but that's not the right chemical. Anyway, you know, the, the pleasure chemical that's released by your body. Uh, and, it, I, and I got hooked to it. It, it, was, it was addicted, in, instant. And I honestly didn't feel bad about it. Now, 
um, it was also during that deployment that I did commit physical adultery on my first wife, right? But she never found out, um, never told her about it. So just letting you know. And so now uh, fast forward to more deployments, right? So that was my first deployment for 15 months in Iraq. Second deployment in Ramadi, Iraq. Third deployment. And in August of 2008, the truck that I was in hit a roadside bomb. And that's how I was wounded. All right. I, I received a, a blast injury, um, neck injury. Um, later on would turn into a back injury, upper and lower. Um, so I had a brain injury, still suffer from the brain injury effects to this day, by the way. So now, now we have TBI, traumatic brain injury, and PTSD together. Now, for many of you who may not know, PTSD symptoms and brain injury symptoms overlap. So I guess I had double for my trouble. You could call it that. So these are all things I had to deal with. And I was not good. I came back from my third deployment and I had some, you know, a, a neurologist, um, Major Scully, so remember her name, tell me that I needed help. And I was, I was, I was going to soldier on, I don't need help. I don't need help. I don't need help. Well, finally, I started having flashbacks. I was awake and reliving moments from Iraq. Okay. Sit, combat situations, things like that in Iraq while I was awake. And finally, I said, I need help. Okay. Well, at that time, I was stationed in Germany. Okay. And they had, I don't know if they still have it today, but at that time, anyways, when I was there in Landstuhl Hospital in Germany, um, they had what was called the evolution program to help soldiers, service members with PTSD. It's an eight week program. Uh, it's in a very intensive program. So that started my journey on trying to help with PTSD. Okay. It, it, it provided me great head knowledge of how all of this worked, right? It, it gave me a, a deeper understanding of it, but I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It didn't provide me freedom, right? It, it provided me coping methods and ways I could do things differently, but it never set me free, nor did I hear the promise of freedom from that program. So I left the program still trapped in PTSD. Right. I mean, it got me out of the shell of of not feeling emotion. So let me backtrack real quick is to say that that I could when I got back from my third deployment, I had no emotion. I was numb emotionally. I had either no emotion or I had anger, but at least it helped me there. But I didn't yet hear the promise of freedom. OK, and now by this time, right, I was on um, psychiatric medication. OK, I was on Seroquel and clonazepam was the other one they put me on later on that would get switched off okay so without um going in um for the sake of time fast forwarding um so now we fast forward and okay ex-wife decides to leave me for another person right she has to hide it from me so anyway just to put up front that i didn't choose choose it okay she did it um left me behind my back the whole nine yards Fast forward more, still dealing with PTSD and, and the warrior transition unit, uh, unit, special unit, they call it something different now for wounded soldiers. And now I, I meet my, my current wife on Facebook all right, in the year of 2010, all right? In South Africa, never saw a picture, 
nothing. We just, she friend requested me. We got to talking. Eventually I proposed to her. We got married. Um, and that really, when we got back to the United States from Germany, that's where I married her. And I got back to a regular unit, really kicked off that I had never dealt with PTSD. That certainly wasn't fair. I turned into uh, an extremely violent person, right? We had our first kid. I was violent, started snapping at anything, had no control. Eventually, we had more kids. I turned to alcohol, still addicted to pornography, by the way. Okay, still had not been set free from pornography, right? Still watching it, getting caught, lying about it, hiding it, still doing all that. Plus violence now, now, now alcohol is, 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 I turned to you to help me cope. I became a functional alcoholic. I crawled into the bottom of a bottle. In other words, every time I drank, I would drink, I would drink a, a, a bottle of liquor, right? Hard, hard liquor and drink the whole thing. And I would pass out. That, that's how bad I was. And this is while still in the army doing active duty stuff, by the way. So I hadn't changed it. And I'm not going to go into detail about everything I ever did wrong. But just, just to give you a heads up, right? I, I, was, I was just like my father that I described to you earlier. Right? Anything could set me off. Violence, putting holes in walls, terrorizing my family. So, we lose, so anyway, we lose our house that we're in in Colorado. And um, we ended up in a tiny apartment. And I praise God for that. And they say, why would you praise God for losing your house and ended up in a tiny apartment with a wife and three kids? Well, let me get to that. Because when I was living in that big house, four-bedroom house, two-car garage, wonderful, right? I didn't think I needed help. I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. Right? Even though even in that house, I tried to commit suicide multiple times. So, yeah, I did try to commit suicide. I tried, I tried, I tried but, but my wife intervened. God, God let her know, hey, get downstairs in the basement. And she, and she saved my life. Okay? I didn't think I needed help until we ended up in that tiny apartment with a tiny car because our minivan got repossessed because of my bad choices. And it was then. So that we, that was at the end of 2017. And I was hard-headed. Let me just put that that way. I was pretty stubborn. You know, when you read about those stiff-necked Jews in the Bible, I probably made them look uh, look look humble and, and, and pliable by, by comparison. That's how hard-headed I was. But praise God, he didn't give up on me. And at the end of 2018, I heard from God. He spoke to me, literally. Okay, so God still speaks to us today. And he spoke to me. And he says, son, PTSD is not my plan for your life. I had no idea what he meant. Because up to that point in time, I never heard I could be free. So so, so let's backtrack. Right, let's rewind. Right, 2003, my first deployment, started having problems, right? Started having more problems in 2004, right? Talked with the chaplain, didn't hear I could be free from the chaplains, right? Going to churches in Germany, never yet heard I could be free from, 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 from any of this, from any church so far, okay? Get back stateside, started attending a church in, in Colorado Springs, still never heard yet that I could be free. So up to this point, almost 15 years later, I had yet to hear that I could be free. 
Yet God tells me at the end of 2018, PTSD is not my plan for your life. That's what he told me. And I had no idea what that meant. Well, I don't remember exactly how I, I came to uh, know about Dr. Caroline Leaf, but I did. And, and just at that time, God's timing is perfect, amen? God's timing is perfect. She was doing a book club on her new book called The Perfect You. Now, I know the title sounds fluffy and all that, like a self-help book, but it's not. So I highly recommend it to anybody. So, so I started reading the book. Well, God opens my understanding for the first time. I mean, I had read the Bible. I, I owned the Bible. I still have a back there a bit behind um behind my, my uh, ordination certification. The very first Bible I ever, ever owned, a nice, wonderful, king looking King James Version, real leather cover, goalie pages. I read these things. And it didn't change because I, I didn't have my understanding opened by the Lord. And he finally opened my, and I'm reading this book, and I'm reading the scriptures in the book. Because the book, The Perfect You, is, is, is science, what it talks about mental health, back, you know, how 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 it complements scripture okay so that by the way that's the way mental health should work it, scripture it should complement scripture scripture should be able to, to back it up amen and, and i understood the scriptures i understood these scientific terms believe me i have no training in the field of psychology formally in anything really science related yet i understood these things because god gave me the understanding and so, read all the books, January 2019, in my red recliner, I, I told God, Jesus, I am done listening to the world. I only want to listen to you. And I cannot, words fail to express what happened. But I can tell you with all assurance, with 100% assurance, that God set me free in the moment. Set me free from what? set me free from from mental health problems set me free from depression and ptsd because i man i tell you i was i was i was retired from the army by then or i retired from Jan, in january 2016 and and i spent a lot of my time sleeping my life away could you know i, I, I depressed and ptsd by the way that often goes hand in hand god set me free from that all of a sudden all symptoms were gone and i knew it and nobody could tell me otherwise and I was set free from 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 sin of lust, from the sin, uh, which is, by the way, you know, we call addiction. Well, addiction is just a nice word for sin, by the way. I was sinning. I was I was committing spirit, spiritual adultery in my heart, watching pornography. God set me free from the control of that. And let me tell you what. Let me let me tell you this for surely. If you don't know what pornography does to a person, it literally remaps our brains when you get and watch that junk. All right, it rewires everything. Now you think it's normal. It's it's literally the worst drug out there. I would have, I tell you right now, in all honesty, I would have rather been addicted to heroin than be addicted to pornography. I, I kid you not. It's that serious of, of an addiction. But God set me free, and I knew it. How did I know? My my complete mindset changed. The the way I I. I I spoke changed the way I reacted, no longer getting angry. I didn't have to have my back to a wall everywhere I went. I didn't have to sit in the back of a, back of a room everywhere I went. I mean, I was hypervigilant. Every every um, symptom of PTSD that, that P, combat related PTSD, you could check it off. I had check 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 check. Yep, 
I couldn't sleep without medication. That's why I was also taking so much psychiatric medication. I even ended up taking psychiatric med medication to try and prevent nightmares. All the nightmares were gone. Boom. Because that's the power of God to set men free. And what happened, What I did was I went to my psychiatrist. So in case you're wondering, can I back all, all this up medically? Yes, I can. I went to my psychiatrist and said, I want to be off of my psychiatric medication. He looked at me like I'm crazy. So why do you want to do it? I told him exactly why. I said, Jesus set me free. I no longer have any of these symptoms. He didn't believe me. No, I told him, he said, he said, are you sure? I'm, I said, yes, I'm sure. Because, I mean, I had a fire in me. Amen. I had a fire of God in me at that time. And so he said, okay, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start weaning you off. So he gave me some new dosages to take. Man, I'll tell you what I did. I went home. I threw away all those, all those medications. Cold turkey. Now, in the natural, right, you cannot do that, right? Right, especially depending on the dosages you were on and, and the length of time you're on a psychiatric medication. I was up to 200 milligrams of, of Seroquel. Right, it, it, in the natural, if I had done that, I would I would have um, really had some serious things wrong, going wrong with me. But I threw them all away, cold turkey. And guess what? Guess what? I slept just fine after that. Sleep just fine now. I don't have nightmares of com combat uh, anymore that I used to have. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Please, please hear my heart on this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm still being perfected, as the Bible says. But I'm telling you as at the same time, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm try, not trying to make anybody feel bad. Whom the sense is free, though, it's free indeed. And let me tell you what. This, this is, these are the things that I, that I heard from the psychological field. I never heard I was free. Here, here's what happened. Here's what I heard. It's normal. Right? I will always have it. And I have to learn how to cope with it. No freedom in any of that. Because why? The psychological field will never tell a person that they can be free ever. You will never hear that. You'll never hear that. That's why I, I tell people, don't ever run to a counselor of the world. Now, you can run to a biblical counselor. That's, that's different. Why? Because the Bible is their primary source. Yes, they have training in, in psychology. But the primary source of, of, of truth and, and everything that they go by is in the scriptures. That's why I never, I told people, don't ever go to the world for counseling ever. It's dangerous. It'll keep you trapped. I went through it myself. And by the way, I'm not the only one. You can look up plenty of testimonies out there of, of people that get that God did with them just like they did with me. Why? Because I'm not special, right? I'm not better. I'm not super special. I'm not, there's nothing more different about me than anybody else. I'm a human like anybody else, right? Before God saved me, I was a fallen, sinful human like anybody else, right? I needed Jesus to be born again like anybody else. I needed the power of God within me to, to walk in freedom from sin like anybody else, right? So the Bible promises that we can all walk in perfect mental health, not just me, Right, not just to select other few of individuals. No, 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 no. This is for the Bible. And by the way, if you have questions, go put them in the chat, please. If you have objections, put them in the chat. I'll be more than happy to, to talk about these. More than happy. So so don't be afraid. Don't be don't be afraid to, to raise your objections. 
Well, 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 maybe, well, David was depressed or Elijah was depressed. Okay, put him in there and we'll, we'll talk about that. I don't mind at all, okay? I'm not here to dig out. I'm not here to make you feel bad or make you feel stupid, right? Or anything like that. I'm, I'm here to help you. That's why I'm giving my testimony today, right? And by the way, let me pause and say, if you go onto my YouTube channel, all right, David C. McGuire. So let me let me just put this, do this real quick right here. So if you go, to, go to my YouTube channel, by the way. I have a free e-course just for you on, on biblical mental health. Okay, just go to playlists or you can search it in if you're on your computer. Go, go to the little magnifying glass right there and type in biblical mental health and it'll pop right up. But it's right there for you. So, so it's right there on my YouTube channel just for you, by the way. So God set me free. But the psychological field could never, and psychiatry couldn't help me, right? Psychiatry is one who they give medication, right? Psychology provides you therapy. None of that helped me, right? None of that, by the way, none of that medication will ever help a person. It causes brain damage, by the way. Why do you think people need more of the medication over time? And dosages have to be adjusted and different medication have to be found out because why? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But you don't have to go find another religion. You, once Jesus, once once you have Jesus, you don't have to be like, well, I'm not sure about this because Jesus will change your life radically. You don't need to do that. But here in the psychology field, things have to be adjusted over time, changed over time. You don't do that with Jesus, right? Jesus is the same forever. Amen? He doesn't change. Amen? This power is the same today, just as much today as, as ever before to heal. Amen? No instant freedom from sin. Right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to watch the same stuff I watched before. I didn't want to talk the same way I talked before. I didn't want to hang out with the same people that I hung out with before. It, it was all gone changed in a moment. Now, now, now people will say, well, that's a radical, that that's that's a radical conversion. Is there, let me ask you that. Let me ask you this. Is there any other type of conversion than radical conversion? I don't think so. In fact, I know so. Why? Because that's what I see in the Bible. I see nothing but radical conversions. Think about it. Saul, on his way, on his way to kill Jewish believers, right? Hunting them down. Boom, in a moment, changed, set free, different man. And in a moment, right? 3,000 Jews at Pentecost come to Christ. And in a moment, the way of living is, is gone. It's, it's a new way of living. They all help each other out. Amen. They're no longer arguing over, over who has the best theology. That's All conversions are radical conversions. All, let me say, all true conversions are radical conversions. In other words, when somebody comes from death to life, they get freedom from sin. Sin no longer controls a person. Of course, we're going to make your choice, but we're no longer sinners. We'll, we'll, we'll choose to sin at times. Amen. I mean, it's going to happen. Let's all be honest with one another about that, by the way. But we're no longer sinners. We're given a new nature. Everything the Bible says, my testimony backs up. Or maybe I should say it this way. Everything the Bible says backs up my testimony. That's probably a better way of saying it. The Bible backs up. Scripture for scripture for scripture, my testimony. Amen. Like I said, this perfect mental health is for every Christian out there. It's yours for the taking. But you know what? You know, people, I think they overcomplicate things. 
I'm, I'm a simple guy. All right. I like to apply the kiss rule. Keep it simple, stupid. Look, the, 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 the simple reason why, why, why Christians are not walking around with mental health and mental health problems is because simply this unbelief. Simple, simple, simple as that. Unbelief. Now I'm not talking about some word of faith thing. And you may think, well, 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 God doesn't always heal physical health. So what about mental health? Go ahead, put the question in there. I, I, I'd love to talk about it with you right now. But mental health, let me pause and say, is not the same as physical health. And nor is, is your mental health always directly connected to your physical health. Now, how do I, why would I say such a radical thing? I, I live with, with, with health problems right now, right? I live with a very bad back. I just had um, lower back surgery back in November, in fact. I deal with emphysema. I deal with a brain injury and some other things. But praise, praise be to God alone that I'm still in good spirits. I still have perfect mental health, right? I'm not depressed. I'm not fearful. So well, that's prideful. No, no. I'm just bragging on, on the power of God. That, that's all I'm doing here. Not, nothing, nothing less than that. But the thing is, you know, if you're living in America, now if you're watching this from outside America, then probably doesn't apply to you. But at least here in America, we've become a nation where we use mental health, mental illness, quote unquote, mental illness, as an excuse. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I mean, I hear Christians do this all the time, by the way. Why, why, why are you? Have you ever stopped to think why you're that way? And I'm not downplaying any trauma. Right? I didn't even hit even half the examples of stuff I went through in Iraq, right? Not even a quarter of the examples I could have used of what I went through in Iraq. So I know trauma. I lived with it 15 years, right? I, I know trauma. I'm not downplaying whatever may have happened to you. That's not what I'm here to do. I am here to tell you about freedom, though. If the Bible says something and you refuse to believe it and apply it, no wonder you're not going to change. Right? Just like me. I, I told you I studied the scriptures. I read the Bible. I didn't have an understanding, and I certainly didn't believe a lot of it. And I'm not talking about, let me say that, I'm not talking about a believer brand new. I'm talking about somebody walking with the Lord for at least, we'll say, two years minimum. And they say, well, that's not enough to truly study what the Bible has to say. Maybe not in depth. I mean, we can all, I mean, Let's face it, I don't care how long you've been saved, you still got to study the Bible. But I'm talking about hearing scriptures that that most Christians in, in a span of two years hear multiple times. Probably read it multiple times, right? Like whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Thing, things like that. Um um, the peace of God that, and the peace of God that guards your hearts and minds will be with you. You know, Romans 12, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, and many more scriptures I could talk about. What, what about David? Right? Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Question himself. Why am I this way? You know, probably, probably heard that one numerous times. And other scriptures that I'm sure you can probably think of. But do you actually believe them? Are you willing to apply them? 
That's the question. I can't force anybody to believe anything. I can I'll do my best to, to, to point the way and say that not a single scripture, not one single scripture, okays mental health problems. Not one single scripture ever okays depression, anxiety, you name it. You name it. You name it. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, you know, Richard, I appreciate I appreciate the comment about your son. And um, look, I can't explain why he hasn't been set free yet. Um, I'm I'm glad to see that you have a friends who have had children. And all I got to do, all I can say is keep pressing in, and don't give up. All right, don't give up. The prayers of a parent is powerful. All right. So maybe you're out there watching right now. Okay. Maybe maybe you're watching and listening to this right now. And and you have a, a family member. Don't give up praying for them, please. Don't don't do that. Don't give up on them. But I'm just saying, so back to what I was saying was that the Bible is not anywhere that for the believer to have any type of mental health problems. Nowhere in scripture. Not one, yet numerous, numerous, numerous scriptures talks about the peace of God. Now, if you're watching this, that means you have a computer, you have a device to, to, to look up on the internet thing. So if you don't believe me, just search up the peace of God. Just put it in your search, the peace of God. And you will find so many times the peace of God is mentioned. Why? Because that's us. That's for believers. That's for our, our, um, that's for us every day, all of our lives. Think about this one, right? In this, how about, now this, this would be a good tie to a traumatic experience, right? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. I guarantee much of that is trauma. But he said, to be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but if I were like Paul and I were scourged, I would I would call that trauma, right? I mean, think about it. Or whipped or stoned to death or beaten right? or imprisoned. I would definitely, you know, how about shipwrecked? Right? I, I guarantee those are traumatic experiences. Those are the tribulations. That, that Jesus was talking about. Yet we're promised to be able to be. Yet Jesus tells us to be of good cheer yet. Tells us to rejoice in sufferings. I'm not saying it's all easy. I'm not saying. Oh it's easy peasy lemon breezy you know. But we have to be willing to believe it first. You won't have. You won't be able to have it or have freedom. Unless you first believe it. And apply it. You can't apply it unless you first believe it. Right? You remember Jesus said he couldn't do a single miracle in his hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief. They refused to believe the word of God. And because of that, it wasn't God stopping their miracle. It was their personal unbelief that stopped the miracles. I assure you. Being healed and set free from mental health problems and trauma is nothing short of a miracle. And I, I know there's people who say things like, oh, well, what a small mercy or a small miracle. Let me tell you what. When it comes to God working in a person's life, ain't nothing small about that. 
nothing small. No such thing as a small miracle. If it's supernatural, God could only do it, then it's a miracle. I don't care what happened. I don't care if you needed an extra $2, you reach in your jacket pocket, and you're like, whoa, I got $2 right here. And, but you knew that wasn't there before. That's not a small miracle. God moved in your life supernaturally to make something come through for you. That's a miracle. Right? I don't want to discount the miracle. People do that, right? They said they say things like, well, go prove their miracles. I'm like, the point that I'm saved is a miracle, first and foremost. Right, the, the point that, that that Jesus brought me from death to life, and He did that with anybody, is a miracle. Amen. And like I said, I can medically prove with medical doc, medical records that I uh, that I used to be, I, I used to have PTSD really bad. And a lot of people, you know, in the medical field, don't believe that I've been set free from it today. But hey, that's their fault. That's their problem, not my problem. I keep speaking the truth. I want you to to listen to this. Maybe maybe you, you hopped on and you only caught part of it. Well, I'll go back and watch the whole thing. Go watch the whole thing. This is the power of God in every, for every person out there. You just have to choose to believe it. But you say, well, brother, but 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 God doesn't always heal. But I'm not talking about a physical ailment. See, the problem with the term mental illness, and that's why I don't like using it. You won't hear me use it except in a, in a, in a derogatory term. Is, is when you hear that term, right, automatically people apply it like a physical illness, right? They apply it like a cancer or a virus or a cold, etc., right, or disease. Yet it's not. It's not. It, it's how we choose to think about things. That's why the Bible makes a point. Be transformed. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is the uh, perfect. And I know I'm missing something in there, so I don't have the scripture in front of me. So that you, oh, so that you'll know what the perfect and acceptable will of God is. Unless you're willing to be transformed, to have your mind renewed, Unless you're willing for that to happen, well, it's no wonder. Maybe as a Christian, as a believer, you, you don't think you can be free from anxiety or depression or, or anything like that. No wonder. Because you don't, you cannot prove what the is the perfect, perfect, it says, by the way, an acceptable will of God is. And an acceptable and perfect will of God is for every single person to walk in perfect mental health. That's part of it. That's not the only part of it, but that is part of it. But the also problem we have in America today is that we have leadership in the church suffering from mental health problems. Now, and like I said, I'm not here to condemn anybody, but I can't skirt away from what the Bible says either in, in hopes that I don't offend people. I'm not here to purposely offend people, but I must tell you what the Word of God says. They say, well, what, what do you mean leaders? Why can't they? Well, it's simple. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, right? It lists different qualifications for church leaders, okay? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a chapter that's near and dear to my heart to make sure that I'm living according to that, okay? So there's a two things. I mean, let me just, let me, I'm going to go real quickly here. I'm going to go look up 1 Timothy. I want to make sure that I get this right. It's just super, super important um, that, that I can't, um, 
I just got to make sure I'm going to get this right. So, so like I said, there's qualifications. Okay. So it says two things here. I'm just making sure it says sober minded and self-controlled. All right. And there are other qualifications listed, but two of them are sober minded and self-controlled. Now, let me ask you if somebody's suffering from depression or anxiety or ADHD, are, are, are they sober-minded or self-controlled? No, the, the obvious answer is no. By the way, I mean, I'm speaking from experience. Depression, right, controls you, okay? Charles Spurgeon, for example, he went weeks without preaching because of depression. Weeks. Is that self-controlled? No. Is that sober-minded? No. Sober-minded, right? One of them is sober-minded, right? Clear-headed, right? It uses that term sober because when you're drunk, you can't think straight. You do stupid things, right? No different than when you're clouded with depression or anxiety or whatever else it may be. You can't think straight. So thereby, therefore, sure, there, there should be now not a single person in church leadership who's suffering from, ment from mental health problems. Not saying they could never be or they're disqualified for life, but they shouldn't be. And no wonder we don't hear the truth from the pulpit about this type of thing or from the mouth of pastors, uh, by and large, about mental health. Why? Because what? They're trapped as well. So it's a case of the blind leading the blind. And I'm not going to, this is a hill that I will die on. It's a case of, because why? Scriptures are so crystal clear about this. Like I said, you don't believe me? Go read 1 Timothy chapter 3 for a comprehensive list of qualifications for church leaders. And I'm not doing it to disparage, but we need people who are willing to lead others to freedom. To tell others that there is freedom. That, that, that depression and anxiety is not normal. Why? Because whatever caused it to happen in the first place is not normal. Right? Seeing your friends blown up in, into pieces literally is not a normal thing. Right? Getting blown up due to a roadside bomb is not a normal occurrence. Getting shot at and shooting back all the time is not a normal occurrence. I'm speaking what happened to, in my life. Right? Experiencing these types of things is not normal on a day-to-day -day basis. So therefore, my PTSD was not normal. Because what happened to me, the cause in the first place was not normal. So I hate that. It's not normal. Right? It, it, it's something that, that, that God can deal with, with you about and help you out of. And say, no, this is normal. Just like he told me that. Son, and God spoke to me. He said, son, PTSD is not my plan for your life. Well, well, maybe, maybe you're here speaking to you today. Maybe he's been trying to break through to you. And he's telling you, depression is not my plan for your life. Anxiety is not my plan for your life. ADHD is not my plan for your life. And whatever else list you want to put on there. I can't always remember everything off the top of my head. I swear the, the Psychological Association here in America has always come up with something new. But I'm trying tell you the freedom whom the sense is free is free indeed it's not well only if, for this situation or that situation where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom 
Notice none, none of these scriptures, right, have any buts or, well, if or however's in there. Right? The, the only thing, guess, guess the, only, the only thing that you need is Jesus. That's it. You just have to be saved. And then you can believe it, and it's yours. So that's too simple. Because it is that simple. Well, what about people who have to get help and work things through? I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. That's why there are biblical counselors for this. You know, it's not a, there's nothing wrong with having to talk about things and, and process things. There's nothing wrong with that as long as the person that's helping you is leading you on the path to freedom. There's nothing wrong with that. What, what is wrong is when the person that you're dealing with, the therapist that you're dealing with, never mentions, hey, you can be free. If they don't mention that and they're not leading you to freedom, run the other way. Go find yourself a new person. Because you should be talking to a biblical counselor who, who that's why I keep saying biblical counselor, not Christian counselor. Now you think, well, what do you mean? Why is there a difference? Well, in fact, Christian counselor sounds better than biblical counselor. That's what I thought. But apparently Christian counselors mix the psychology of the world in with things and, and they don't have the Bible as their foundation and basis versus a biblical counselor, which is why they call it a biblical counselor because their foundation is the Bible, right? They don't get everything primarily from the world. So that's why I say there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, I, in fact, I remember um, I interviewed a guy about that and I um, can't remember his name exactly about this and nothing wrong with that. I'm not nothing wrong with seeking help, but seek the right help. Seek the right source of help, okay? And for those of you who may be suicidal, I'm telling you, contact me. I'd love to talk with you, okay? My number is right there in the wherever you're watching from. You can find the phone number that you can call. Right, if you're watching on Facebook, then the phone number is there. If, if you're watching on YouTube, um, the phone number is, is there in the about section. Um, give me a call. I don't don't go down that road. Okay, it's a dangerous that's a that's a road you, you you suicide that you can't turn back from. All right, let me just say that. I may I may have to do a whole longer show. I'm looking at the time I have left. I have about five minutes left right now. And so so I don't want to see too much more on suicide, but let me tell you what it's a road. It's a it's a road to damnation you can't turn back from. Let me just put it that way, okay. But um, I, th I thank you all for watching this. And I just wanted to get my testimony out there. Um, like I said, this is I celebrate being saved in, in the month of January. Um, it's the month I joined the Army in January 9th, 1996. This is the same month that I celebrate seven years of being retired from the Army. So, you know, God did so much for me. And he could do the same for you is the bottom line, all right? Now, I, I go more in-depth into this. Like I said, um, on my channel, my YouTube channel, where, where, where the free e-course is, Biblical Mental Health. That's what the e-course is called, the three-part e-course, right? I, I go way, way more in-depth into this type of thing, what the Bible says, things like don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word, right? Things like that. Anyway, check it out. If, if you want, if you're truly searching um, for the truth about mental health, 
in your life or somebody else's life, then go ahead and watch that one. Anyway, then, well, have a, have a wonderful, blessed weekend, everybody. Praise be to God that whom the Son says free is free indeed. And that not only whom he says free, but we stay and live in freedom, right? Because we're the Spirit of the Lord, which is in, inside of every believer, because we are the living temple of God. Then guess what? That's you, brothers and sisters out there. I want to encourage you. Live for God. You are free. Amen. And if there's something you have yet to be free from, guess what? Jesus will lead you free, lead you in freedom. All right. Be blessed, everybody. Be blessed. Heaven, it's a one way, one truth, one life. That's why we're not ashamed of the name of Jesus. And we don't care.